and welcome back to the What The Folk Sunland preview show. We are pushing out podcasts like Pops this week as Sunland play every three days over the Christmas period. But we all do love a little bit of festive football. However, it does come to an end on Monday as Preston North End become our first foots at the Stadium of Light. And I have returning guest, as always, Preston fan, former Preston writer, journalist, um, an all-round good guy. Tom, Tom, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Are you? Yeah, yeah. I actually forgot how many... Um, times you've been on the podcast I feel like this might be seven yeah a handful even going back to doing it for a bit of Fleetwood as well oh god back yeah so you did League One days so I want to talk about that yeah. um, <laughs> first and foremost I think you know we do this like I say podcast often um, but I always feel like when I chat to you pressing a 10th or 11th um, and lo and behold I look this morning and I'm like ah pressing our 11th so you lost at home to Chef Wed yesterday. It sounds worse than it is. Chef Wed are actually on a really good run of form, but however you look at it, it's a disappointing result in the same vein that us not beating Rotherham is a disappointing result. But how was the performance? Was it a deserved defeat? And, and how did you perform? I mean, there were parts that were okay. Um, Sheffield Wednesday did a bit of a job on North End. North End just didn't create anything substantial and um, didn't really adapt very much to the game. And I, I think kind of like you say, really, any way you spin it, when you've got, you know, with all respect to Sheffield Wednesday, if, if they're 23rd in the league, you're expecting to beat them, especially if you're around the playoffs and and you're hoping to try and make the top six. You just have to beat teams like that. However you do it, however you find a way, you just have to get it over the line. Um, and North End didn't. And it, that in itself is obviously a disappointing result in isolation, but you couple that with the fact that the form over the last, I think it's about 16 games has been pretty dismal. It all kind of comes together into kind of a, a bit of a bad mix, really. I normally look at like the last five games, but like, look, I don't know what it is with Preston. They're actually a really interesting team to look at statistically because it's mental every time. Last year you had like <laughs> 40 nil-nil draws and then a couple of one-nil wins. But I've looked like over the Christmas period results and I think it probably sums pressing up in many ways. I've looked at the last eight games because it's kind of interesting, but as you'll probably attest to, it's gone back a bit longer. You've won two, you've drew one, you've lost five, but it's when you look at the actual results, it's bizarre. You lost 5-1 at home to Watford, then you beat Leeds 2-1, you lost 2-0 at home to QBR, you lost 4-0 away to Middlesbrough, and you won 3-1 away to Huddersfield. There's like no rhyme, no reason in there or any kind of semblance of consistency. So can you give us a bit of an overview of why the sort of past few months have been so inconsistent? Yeah, it's difficult to kind of put it down to one thing. I think a lot of the blame, certainly from the sort of fans' point of view, is falling on the manager. Um, I mean, you, obviously you went back eight games. If you go back 18, um, North End have taken just 16 points from 18 games, which obviously just isn't good enough. It is, it's very strange, I think. Certain players have kind of come out of form at the wrong time. But yeah, the, the consistency has often been an issue at North End. They, they used to be quite patchy. They'd have, generally, they didn't start the season too well. But in these last few years, they have. Um, they've kind of come good towards the middle and then tail off at the end. Um, it's kind of been the other way around lately. They've started quite well, had an okay-ish start of the new year, and then the say the two either side of that they've kind of been a bit poor and generally do fade away towards the end of the season in terms of what is causing the inconsistency it's it's so difficult to say um goals are difficult at times as is the case with a lot of clubs especially clubs that can't spend loads of money like north end 
unless you've got an established goal scorer in your side that you know is going to get you 15, 20 goals, you are going to struggle and you're going to have these sorts of spells. I think it's more than just that, though. Um, again, I'm trying not to just put it all on the manager. And I know that a lot of fans will think that it is the manager. Um, the, the style isn't really working. They're just not creating. They're not looking as solid as they used to. So, yeah, I think some of those results leads, obviously, that went down to 10 men, which helps Huddersfield on the greatest of sides in the division. So I think it's not necessarily that the inconsistent I think they just come up against teams kind of at, at the right time I just don't think there's a great deal going for North End at the moment on their current form funny when you were talking about if you don't have a 10-15 goal striker you're going to go through funny patches like every Sunderland fan there's going as you're talking about Ossar Preston um, yes. at that point um, I do want to touch on the manager but but before I do I think you touched on the start of Preston's campaign where obviously we played each other second game and I think I think we did play well but talking of strikers we didn't have on that day and, and you sort of did in Will Keane if I remember correctly <laughs> but I looked at the first seven games of the campaign because I was like I'm sure they were top at one point and you won six of your first seven um, you're basically top of the table until you get beat 4-1 off West Brom on September the 30th at home then it goes completely south um, why were Preston so good at the start of the season and, and what changes are just confidence yeah well I think they, they they did really well in the summer. The business that they did kind of worked really well for how they wanted to play. So Ryan Lowe last season wanted to play a 3-4-2-1 oftentimes uh, with kind of two number 10s, but he didn't really have the kind of the number 10s for it. They were more centre midfielders playing higher up. So it was quite industrial and it was quite, you know, rely a lot on hard work and they, they weren't really creating a lot of chances. And they brought in the likes of Mass Frockyar, Dwayne Holmes, and it also freed up Alan Brown a little bit with a proper focal point, especially early on in the season in Will Keane. And it just all sort of worked. And I wonder whether teams, having played against North End's 3-4-2-1 in the past, weren't quite ready for the new-ish version with the different pieces in there, the players that are more kind of genuine number 10s. And then I wonder maybe they've been found out a little bit and they're able to kind of shackle them. Liam Miller's been um, in great form lately, but against Sheffield Wednesday, they just doubled up on him. And for whatever reason, he didn't get moved. He didn't go to the right. He didn't come central. He didn't kind of, wasn't really allowed to wander to kind of evade this extra attention he was getting. So that really shut down North End's main creative threat, really, especially when Mass Rockyar isn't on the pitch, who is struggling to get a run of games, but looks one of the most genuinely talented players that North End have had for some time. Um, I'm not sure if it was the Sunderland game at home where he's not made someone on the touchline and, and come inside and scored. Um, it's, he's got something there, but Ryan Lowe's not happy with his defensive work and little bits like that. And I think it's dented his confidence. So he comes on looking a little bit, a little bit weak. So I, I wonder whether they've got found out a little bit and without players like Frockyar in there who are able to drop a shoulder and create something and the same with Miller but he's getting doubled up on I think it's difficult for North End to sort of find find a way to win sometimes and you obviously mentioned the West Brom the, the, the wins and stuff was before coming up against Leicester who were obviously very good and Ipswich and, and people like that um, Southampton not long after so they played good teams not long after that run but I do also think potentially tactically they've been found out a little bit. 
Yeah, because that one after West Brom, I think, was like Leicester away, Ipswich at home, or Ipswich away or something, and then Southampton a couple of games after. So, yeah, yeah um, probably really disappointing from a Preston perspective, though, that you have such a good start and then you come against the teams that you think you might be up against and you get essentially bad and concede mm-hmm. lots of goals. Yeah, they um, kept the pace early doors with Ipswich and Leicester, and mm-hmm. it was looking really impressive. And then obviously North End fall away and Ipswich and Leicester have kept the pace. So far, um, yeah. until Sunderland go in their fantastic second half of the season run and win the league, of course. Um, <laughs> we've touched on Ryan Lowe in almost every podcast and for various reasons. And I think last time we spoke right at the start of the season came just after the end of last season with us playing on the last game. And he'd been like frustrated with certain things. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it in the like the last show, last season, uh, last preview show. And then it came to the summer and he said, look, I think I think things have been sorted out. Obviously, he's still there. But you're touching it before, there's going to be questions on the manager because he's been there for a while now. And like in reality, it, with the greatest respect to Preston, I don't fear Preston any more than I fear Plymouth. Um, and, and realistically, if he's too good for Plymouth and gone to Preston to improve them, I don't think he's done anything different to what his predecessors have done. But that ultimately will be felt by fans, I think, as well, because it's a results business and he's not getting them at the moment. You kind of touched on the fact that some fans think this may be the end of the road for him. How much pressure is he actually under, though? Not as much as he is under the from the fans. Um, my kind of feeling around it is that, and and they, they release the same because I was I was having these conversations with friends and family about it and stuff like that, saying is he under pressure? I, I like saying guessing. Like I think if we lose here, he might go. And I just thought no, no, because the the club don't really work like that. And then they release a statement over Christmas. Um, to say that they're still backing him and they've invested a lot into this management team and stuff like that, um, which I think grated a lot of fans that, all right, so it's money, that's the reason you're not you're not getting rid. Um, but it is kind of the Preston way almost that going back to Simon Grayson onwards, which, you know, North End got promoted nearly 10 years ago now. Um, they three of the four managers have stayed for multiple years where the average time for a manager in a job is 11 months. They're booking the trend quite a lot. They like to give them time, which I do like. I do think it's good that a manager can come in and get the time and, and kind of set his stall out almost. Um, but yeah, he's. I remember last time we spoke, uh, I told you that he'd lost a section of the fan base. That has only grown. Um, and I, I think once you lose people, it's very, very, very difficult to win them back. You'd have to probably finish in the playoffs, not just be around it and, and look like a good side. I think you have to have something to kind of show for it to win those sorts of people back. There's very um, committed fans that have been fans for a hell of a long time who are done with him, um, which is a dangerous position to be in a manager. And as he did last year, he's kind of taken a few swipes at fans. Um, I don't know whether it made it towards kind of Sunderland Twitter, so to speak. But he said the other day that unless fans have kind of got coaching badges that they can't really criticise and stuff like that, which doesn't go down well when you're spending like thousands of pounds a year to, to follow the team and you're paying good money to watch. Um, you've been kind of told you can't have an opinion. So he doesn't help himself in that respect. He's very difficult, different to, you know, obviously Tony Mowbray's been at Sunderland and he's a very experienced manager and he's, he doesn't get carried away and he plays things down and plays a lot of things with a straight bat, whereas Ryan Lowe is not not that way inclined. 
he will kind of say what he thinks um, and he does get a bit defensive at times. And I think that's what it, it is there. Um, how long he's got. I mean, if you're on a run where you've got 16 points in 18 games, you would think on the pitch that he doesn't have too long. But I don't think North End are in too much of a rush. They're more the type to kind of look at the table and go, well, PNE are in the... Well, just off the top half, they're a few points off the playoff places. Um, they're not in a bad position. So if you sack your manager in this position, you know, you look a bit crazy, but at the same time, you've got minus 11 goal difference, which is far and away the worst of anyone around you. And if you were to change the manager, you could give them a really good platform to go and build on for the second half of the season to potentially get yourself in a in a playoff race because you're already at an advantage over half the league whereas if you change them in the summer and you come in you've got no advantage so it depends which way you kind of see it um i think the club are more the former where they're not inclined to change um given the league position if any manager said that in one of our press conferences i think they'd have to drag him out by his neck <laughs> um that's a pretty bad thing to say because i think it's well, I think we both probably agree it's horseshit. Um, <laughs> we've watched enough football. We don't need to have a, a certificate to say that. Yeah. Um, at least I think so anyway. People might disagree. Yeah. And you pay um, your money. You pay your money. If, if if you're a football fan, it's built off the, the money of fans and, and people working and spending that money to go and watch the football. I don't think I don't think you should have to have any sort of certificate to say you're able to comment whether you take it on board is another thing but I don't think you need to say it as such no I, I 100% agree with you on that um, has it got to the point with Ryan Law where look there's been two managers who've managed us both both with varying degrees of success both disliked by Sunderland fans for varying reasons has it got to the point yet where people are asking about Alex Neal potentially coming back because that's when you know that you're done <laughs> <laughs> yeah no there's not there's not exactly been many names sort of Bandied about really. Um, I think people have moved on from Alex Neal. I think towards the end of his time at North End, the football got a bit attritional. Uh, when he first came in, it was absolutely brilliant. It was so intense. It was playing out from the back, it was the high press, and the players just loved it. Towards the end, it was kind of channel balls and going a bit longer, back three, just a bit more attritional. And obviously, things didn't go great at, at Stoke after moving there. So, yeah, no one's asking for Alex back at the moment. <laughs> Same. Um, looking at the defence, we've touched on the attacking side of things. Now, this means nothing towards something because we came up against the worst defence in the league yesterday and looked like we couldn't hit a bond over the banjo. Um, but one of the big takes from Press North End is that your defence is leaky. You've conceded more goals than Chef Wed, QPR, Huddersfield and Birmingham. You've currently got the fourth worst defence in the league, conceded 42 which is kind of odd because the players look quite similar to what they were last year in in, in ways. Um, and we touched on at the start of the season, uh, start of the podcast, sorry, how you had that really random run of nil-nil draws and one-nil wins at the start of last season. So you were quite a solid team. The nil-nil draw that we had, we were a little bit toothless up front because it was just as we didn't have a striker. That's still continuing. Um, but that was just at the beginning. But defensively, you were good and hard to get past. So why has that changed? Why has that gone so wrong? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. I don't think Freddie Woodman's been in the best of form this season. Um, he got dropped the other day against Swansea, came back in against Sheffield Wednesday, maybe a few question marks are getting beaten at his near post, but he's not a bad goalkeeper overnight. Uh, Jordan Story wasn't in the side. 
um, against Sheffield Wednesday either, who's normally quite consistently. And Lindsay and Andrew Hughes, I think, are really good defenders for this level. I think the protection has changed slightly. Um, in the past, it's been kind of a, a 3-1-4-2 where you've got Ben Whiteman sitting in that holding midfielder role. Um, that's changed to a kind of a, the 3-4-2-1 leaves you with two sort of orthodox centre midfielders. So they're pushed on a little bit higher um, and leaving them a bit more exposed. I don't think the left wing back slot is still an issue. Um, he and Best has come in at the start of the season. He's a really good player. Really exciting player, young player, but a bit suspect defensively at times, just can lose his man. And there's been a couple of goals where he's kind of lost his man, which is fine. It's understandable for a young player. But those things obviously tot up and they can make you a little bit weaker. Otherwise, you've got Liam Miller there, who isn't exactly a defensive force. Um, Robbie Brady hasn't been able to stay fit and again has the moments like Keen Best where he can lose his man. Um, but yeah, it, it's a difficult one. It's not necessarily you wouldn't look at it and go, this is the reason. Um, again, kind of for the inconsistency stuff, but it just looks a bit too easy at times. And I think teams can kind of get into that rut where if they're not keeping clean sheets, I mean, they haven't kept a clean sheet at home since I think March, something silly like that. And um, you get into this rut where you can kind of just let in easy goals. And it's quite hard to stop that. And once you do, the, obviously the goals can dry up and start last season, they were making blocks and they were heroic, some of the defending you were seeing, but it's just not that way for North End, almost like where if you're, you've got a goal scorer in form, they just seem to find ways to score and they just seem to, you know, it can even come off the backside or something like that. It's almost like the opposite with the defence at the moment that, you know, there's one the other day against Cardiff where uh, Dwayne Holmes tries to clear the ball from a corner and his volley somehow cannons back off the, the player trying to block it and squeezes in at the near post. And you can't really legislate for stuff like that. But then North End go and leave a man completely unmarked six yards out for a header, which you can so it, it, it all depends, really. They're not bad players overnight. It is still the same defence, like you say, but it's just all a bit easy at the moment. I often wonder, and I'm going back to last season, um, and Sunderland have done it a couple of times, to be honest. But when we won 3-0 at Preston end of last season, as good as we were and as upright as we were and you had nothing to play for, there was an element of collapse from Preston, as if like they just went, ah, oh, bugger it. And I remember the Preston fans being particularly frustrated with the way that they kind of responded to us going 1-0 up to what was an unbelievable goal. And then you look through this season, there's been 4-0s, 5-1s. Are Preston the kind of side where the heads will drop? And I'm not like having to go at their professionalism, but like confidence plays a big thing in football. And Preston do strike me as a kind of team where if you concede two shiny goals, you just collapse a bit. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because Ryan Lowe, um, I think sort of started the other day, has his side has conceded four goals, I think. I think it's four, it's four or five on more occasions than the last three managers combined. So it's very much a trait of his side because obviously it's not happened to previous managers. Um, whether it's a confidence thing, I don't know whether it's maybe changing tactics to try and come at teams and then getting even more found out. I think at times Ryan Lowe has played for, played for there to be very few goals in the game, whether he's played for a draw or whatever. And once that stops working, if you've no attacking intent, attacking threat in the game, there's only one way it's going to go, especially when you have to try and open up a little bit, but the team isn't suited to that or the tactics aren't suited to that in that moment. It only makes things worse. It's very much an issue and it's very much something, again, that's been flagged by the fans that 
they shouldn't have to see the side being beaten 5-1 at home. And it's not kind of the first time that they've seen the side be beaten heavily. I mean, when Sunderland beat North End 3-0, um, Sunderland changed the tactics. I think brought Pritchard on as a number 10 and North End just couldn't get to grips with it at all. So I think adapting to tactical changes is a big issue for North End. And I think once they get unlocked, they very much struggle to kind of get to grips on that and to try and sort of stem the stem the flow. And that's why games can just get taken away from them. I think one big thing we probably haven't touched on, but I think every fan base and every club will be thinking about it. By the time we play each other, it's 2024. Um, that doesn't mean too much. It's just another day. What it does mean is that the January transfer window is open. Um, I think every Sunderland fans know what's on our transfer wish list, a defensive midfield and a centre forward, please. But um, what do you think Preston need in January? Um, I think most teams obviously will want a striker. North End have the numbers. Emil Reese is just coming back, which is nice. Uh, everyone wants a kind of genuine goal scorer. They've got Militin Osmajic, who's looked okay at times, still settling in. Um, whether they need them in terms of numbers, I don't know. But everyone wants a, a new toy, don't they? Everyone wants a new striker. Wing-backs are still a big issue. Um I mean, Calvin Ramsey didn't make the bench against Sheffield Wednesday, despite not having probably a recognised right back, genuine right back in the in the squad. Brad Potts, obviously a former kind of attacking midfielder who is very much a, a right wing back now. Whether he's an orthodox right back, who knows? But North End have, have flitted in and out of a back four at times. Um, but Calvin Ramsey still can't get a kick. Um, yeah, so wing backs are still an issue. They they could do with another another wing back on either side really I mean you've got Best and Brady a left wing back Best is still young Brady quite injury prone Liam Miller is a very attacking player very good on the ball not much of a defensive left wing back so you could maybe need a bit of strength there and maybe even just a bit of energy anywhere in the pitch just a bit of raw pace a bit of bit of creativity that North End have lacked for years, really. Um, although you kind of get that in with Mass Frockyar and he doesn't get much of a kick. So it's difficult to kind of say. The squad is kind of, is quite balanced, really. But definitely uh, fullbacks need a bit of help and anything to try and create some sort of spark in North End, which has been the issue for years. I think when we're looking at the play you touched on there, Brad Potts, Newcastle fan, for those unaware, <laughs> um, and a big one, got a big mouth in him as well, like most of them do. Um, but he's at the minute playing as like a right back, right wing back, which is, to my knowledge, when he was at, I think, Barnsley and Carlisle previously, he was sort of a big hulking midfielder, which actually I wouldn't have minded at something back in the League One days, which I've now mentioned twice, which I'll never do, ever do again. Um <laughs> But he's not a right back. And Calvin Ramsey, who we touched on before, came in from Liverpool, really highly rated at Aberdeen. He's had his injury problems, but from what I read online, there's a potential that he might go back because he hasn't really had a look in. So Brad Potter's in there. I am going to ask you who you're most concerned by, but I know for a fact that Jack Clark's going to be one of them because it is every single week for obvious reasons. Scored again last night, scored against Hull on Boxing Day. But I look at Jack Clark coming up against someone who's not really a right back or a right wing back and think, well... That's quite handy, but how is he actually doing it right back? Because I know he got man of the match a few weeks back in that position. Yeah, so although like from the outside, you may not see him as a right back, he is actually quite a good right wing back. Um, he had a massive, massive dip in his confidence. He was, like you say, he was that sort of attacking midfielder. He played on the wing at one point for North End, um, but had a massive, massive dip in his confidence and he was playing pretty rubbish, to be honest. 
the new manager came in, put him out at right wing back. And one thing you can guarantee from him is he's going to put a shift in. He gets called the, the racehorse at North End because all he does is just gallop up and down. And he's really endeared himself to the North End fans. He's a really, really, really dependable defensive option. Um, he's crossing is pretty poor, um, as was kind of highlighted against Sheffield Wednesday. In the forward areas, he can definitely improve. But he is very dependable um, defensively. I think he got... Um, if he played against some, I can't remember whether he played or not, but he, if he did, he obviously got the run around last time, um, as most North End defenders did. Because I think when the front three that you have was is on their day, sorry, it's very tough for anyone to to deal with them. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, he is really dependable um, defensively. He's more of an issue going forward. Obviously, Jack Clark is a threat, and Patrick Roberts and and people like that. It, it's more. North End can't really deal with players that are able to drop a shoulder and are able to sort of create something out of nothing, which is why Pritchard caused so many problems last time. Um, they're going to be the threats for North End. Um, there's no doubt about it. So any players like that um, will concern me. But generally speaking, on the surface, Potts defensively doesn't concern me. Quite funny you mentioned Pritch there. I had about a... 15-minute rant yesterday getting annoyed about why Pritch doesn't play every single week only for <laughs> Michael Beale to come out afterwards in his press conference after we'd recorded Sydney's had a chest infection um, so sorry Michael not my fault <laughs> didn't know mate uh, but please play him on New Year's Day uh, you touched on Patrick Roberts there he got a, a muscle injury yesterday so there's a potential that he'll be missing on New Year's Day we've touched on Jack Clark because I know that would be the answer to this normally but um, who are the players that do concern you from Sunderland's side and, and where are we most likely to be able to damage you? Yeah, it, it would be sort of those wide areas um, where last time they just got it really, they, got, they were able to isolate the, the wing backs and, you know, when you've got tricky players and you're able to isolate people, it's exactly what you want. Um, obviously, Joe Bellingham's taken a lot of headlines. I can't say I know a great deal about him. Sounds a bit crap really but I was getting a bit tired of him constantly whenever talk, people talk about Sunderland all they talk about is him and there's more to any club than one player um, but someone with an eye, to go eye for goal is obviously going to be an issue for any team um, but yeah mainly Clark and and obviously if Roberts is fit or Pritchard if he comes in those sorts of players are what North End have been solely lacking for years so they're the ones that always get the attention for kind of North End fans because it's what we want to see um, and they're generally against North End's team that doesn't have a lot of pace. You know, you look at the midfield, Ali McCann's not exactly quick, but I mean, he's mobile. Ben Whiteman's not very quick. Lindsay's not very quick. Hughes is all right. Story, not very quick. So if you're able to get these kind of players turning or slow them down and speed them up, you know, it causes problems. Um, and these players are all completely capable of doing that, getting half a yard and, and putting one in the far corner. Complete pipe dream, and it's not going to happen. But what if we announced Ahmad Diallo on New Year's Day morning? <laughs> would you be concerned? <laughs> uh, yes, yes, as would most of the division. Uh, but I think that's some sort of uh, Sunderland fairyland or, or something, uh, I think, at the moment. Sadly for us, it is. Um, but if you are listening, Ahmad, you're welcome back. Um, <laughs> final question is always predictions. I haven't had it right for a while. I think I've had two right this season. So honestly, like, don't don't be a betting man and listen to my predictions. Although I did get me sky bet right last night, but I cashed out too early, so it didn't really matter. Um, I'm rambling at this point. Yeah. I do fancy us to win, but in the same vein, like as much as things might feel a little bit toxic at Preston North End, it's it was against Coventry. I'm not going to lie. 
And last night's performance was really poor, despite being pretty good down at Hull. So I think we need to get on the front foot straight away. And I think you will sit a bit deeper because I think you'd be more than happy to come away with a draw, which makes it a difficult game because as soon as the team sits back, we really struggle to break them down because we have no centre forward. So in a really depressing uh, first footing New Year's Day result, I'm going to go for a nil-nil. My first ever time I've gone for a nil-nil, but I'm always wrong. So lads, if you're feeling confident, ignore everything I've said, but where you seen the result going on uh, Monday? Yeah, yeah, I'm... They went to Norwich and played for nil-nil and got it. So I was half thinking nil-nil as well because he's they need results and obviously away to Sunderland, difficult place to go. I also, as you said about getting your sky right, as soon as Mick, uh, Michael Beale was appointed and I saw him coming against Coventry, I took Coventry and that came in. Um, so I don't really rate the manager, if I'm being honest. So... I think we're going to start seeing Sunderland going down the league a little bit. So I'll go for 1-0 North End because uh, they're better away from home than they are at home. Uh, they are at home and they can't keep a clean sheet at home. So hopefully being away helps them out a little bit and gets a few fans off Ryan Lowe's back for the day because there'll be less of them and they're further away uh, and they can get something out of it. But yeah. It's funny you mentioned that about uh, the manager. Yeah, I think there's many people feel the same way. But hopefully... Yeah, just seemed Michael. like a strange appointment when, like, yeah. especially, I mean, again, it's the outside, isn't it, looking in, but Tony Mowbray was, for me, was doing a pretty good job there, was getting, you know, football was good, you were, you've been in the league two years and you're right near the playoffs, which is more than teams that have, you know, North End have been there for 10 years and nearly and haven't made the playoffs, so it's not exactly going terribly. And then Beale just seemed like a, if you're going to get rid of Mowbray, Beal just seemed like a strange appointment. From, again, from the outside, I don't know everything, do I? But um, it just seemed like a strange, a very strange appointment. Whether they put everything on a certain manager in France, who knows? But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you will I, know more on that than I will. On, no. on why they went for why they went from Mowbray to, to Beal when Mowbray was doing a decent enough job. I agree. I'm not going to be a revisionist and say that I thought uh, it was the wrong decision to sack Mowbray. I thought it was a bit sooner than I expected, but I don't think it was wrong. But I think if you'd said to me, the question was, does Mowbray go and Michael Beale come in? My answer is a stern and strong and very, very certain no. Whereas um, if the question was, does Tony Mowbray go and a nice young European manager that might get us on the next level? The answer was definitely a yes, and unfortunately, I got the latter. But um, there'll be many fans that you know do understand where you're coming from as well, Tom. But Tom, always nice to catch up, mate. Um, over our depressing football clubs, um, it's always great fun, isn't it? But uh, thanks for popping on. No problem at all.